0: Hey gang, how are you? Kevin Goatee gutting the sacred cow. What's going on? Brand new episode this week. We have Matt Atchity of movie Phone, formerly of Rotten Tomatoes and the Adam Carolla Show. That's right. But before we get to that, I want to implore you guys: come on over to our social media, ask us a question, ask us a movie question, ask us for advice. GTSC Podcast on Twitter. Facebook and Instagram, Gutting the Sacred Cow. I just put up a list on Spotify of my favorite songs from movie soundtracks. Kevin Israel is about to do the same. So go to the Twitter page, GTSC Podcast, and see what we've got cooking over there. And more importantly, go to our website, GuttingTheSacredCow.com. We've got cool shirts like this one. Look at that. You can have my face and Kevin's face on your chest, your hat, your mug. Who knows? Who cares? The sky is limitless. Last and not least, if you're looking to advertise with us, we'd love for you to join us, gutting the sacred cow at hotnail.com And without further ado, here's Matt Atchity doing the usual suspects.
1: Get around.
0: Cutting the sacred cow, Kevin Israel. We're back, episode number twenty-nine. Haha, ha, I'm looking 29. up right now. Right? That way, I don't have to cheat. <laughs> <laughs> we've had a nice, we've had a nice little run of late, right? Forrest Gump last week, Joker before that.
2: We're, we're, we're doing two narrator-driven movies in a row,
0: right? And as, as we said before, in the Forrest Gump episode, when Forrest Gump was put in the National Film Registry, it had its own brick for Forrest Gump. The brick below that. Kevin Spacey, yay! And that <laughs> brings us to today. Kevin
2: will never be below anything, just behind.
0: By the way, a quick aside. Speaking of Kevin Spacey, I did see Billionaire Boys Club. It's not that bad. It's not that bad. The cable watch, it's not that bad. The silence from our guest, Matt Axony, formerly of Rotten Tomatoes, and Kevin Israel makes me think it is bad, but it's... Bad. I didn't see you know,
1: it. Here's the thing. At this day and age, the, the cable watch... Let's put that in perspective. You don't, you, you literally don't have anything else to do, <laughs> right? Okay, sure. It's better than watching the blank wall.
0: French film, nineteen fifty-four. I know what you're talking <laughs> about. <laughs>
2: That's the blank wall.
0: <laughs> well <laughs> done, El sir. The wall blank. actually matt since you're uh, the film expert uh, actually the the biggest film expert we've had this podcast so far settle a little debate i want you to give your honest opinion on a little film 1990s bill and ted's bogus journey
1: uh terrific absolutely terrific not quite the magic of the first one but a (laughs) a solid follow-up uh and a lot of that you have to lay at the feet of the the amazing william sadler
0: i want you to say that this is sung in cheek and you're just kidding now.
1: No, absolutely not. Right, when's if I wasn't time? My headphones, steam would be shooting out of his ears.
0: I just be watched this today on Amazon Prime. This is the second worst sequel, next to Caddyshack Two.
1: Oh, uh, come on, okay. Nothing's as bad as Caddyshack Two. Ah, uh-huh, same. But, but but bogus journey. Bad. Bogus journey's, Bogus journey's good. It's awful. No, it's, no, not right. it's not you're funny.
0: It's not funny. and the, so and the aliens crap. and the aliens bullshit. All the nonsense they build the robots in the back come on I get this Listen, is outlandish
1: but this is terrible but but the games fighting death Three is minutes. amazing 3 amazing. minutes 3 no, no, minutes the rest of, of it's terrific
0: the, the last part where they
1: had the battle of the bands and all that oh oh no that's fun the the star trek references it's super fun oh.
2: I'm going to have to go back and watch this movie now I haven't seen it in probably a decade and a half
0: the games with death fine I'm no, I mean, you look have- at that
1: Israel, you have to go back and watch it because you'll be totally lost when you get to Bill and Ted Face the Music, whenever that comes out. Next yeah, year, well, it's, supposed be the, to...
0: it's supposed to be what this year was supposed to come out, right? Might, well, to a, right?
2: might have to do a day of the two of them.
0: But, that actually, that's your opinion on that. We didn't give a shit about your opinion on this. We gave a shit about your opinion on the 1995 classic Usual Suspects. Some numbers to give. A budget of $6 million in 1995 bringing in a haul of $34.4 In today's terms, translates budgets to $10.3 and a haul of $59.6 Not a bad return on investment. Kevin Israel, give me the IMDB score of? Uh, I'm going to say 8-4. Very close, 8-5. Very uh-huh. close. Rotten Tomatoes score. match Chachity, don't you say a fucking word. I know you know this. <laughs> Give me Rotten a crit, cr- critics, r- critics? critics score. Uh, 80, 80. 89. I was going to say 89, and then I was like, no, it had to be lower. Gosh, audience, audience score. 93. 96. Wow. This puts us in rarefied air. Well, we shall save our opinions for the end. <laughs> quotes from this film. I can quote a lot of this film that are very subtle ones. My buddies and I love the whole uh, interrogation repartee, but you can't be "Hand me the keys, you cocksucker. What the fuck? <laughs> I could put you in Queens tonight, the murder. Really? You could put me in Queens? It's funny, I live in Queens. Do you have a team of monkeys helping you out on that one? Do you know what happens if you do another term in the joint? What, fuck your father in the shower and have a snack later? Classic. <laughs> Kevin Israel, do you have any quotes? I always liked Go flip it. Flip it. flip it for real.
2: Go flip it.
0: For real. Can you hear me in the back?
2: I've i I've said that to, to people and nobody gets
0: it. Well, uh, can you hear me in the back? That's, I love it. Any any other quotes do you have? No, that's the that's the one move that's the one quote that I always took away from the movie. Matt Atchity, any quotes from uh, usual suspects that stood out to you?
1: Uh no. No, I mean look, like uh there are some, I mean, look, like everybody's like, who is Kaiser Sosa? Like uh, nothing really particularly memorable. And I just rewatched it this weekend. So, well, and you nice. know, it's funny that you say that
2: because when I was doing research about this, I completely forgot that that was their whole marketing angle. <laughs> these guys are so say that that was like on the boards and the, and the
0: posters and everything. I completely forgot about that. That was the theme of the nineties. Cause if you fast forward four more years, what is the com was the website for the matrix. As I was on that in college, like a nerd all the time.
1: No, I will say uh, there's a great line. This isn't really much of a quote, but Peter green as Redfoot has this line where he says, what's with the gimp or something like that. Love it. Right. Lest we forget. Peter Green played Zed. Zed, that's right. Pulp Fiction, right? That's so, right. what's with him and Gimps in the mid nineties?
0: <laughs> what a nod! That's I, I, saw, I saw that the theater and screamed out, "Aha! The Pulp Fiction!" Oh, you so son of a bitch! You're so cute. Yeah, I love that part too. But now it's time for five fun facts. Five fun facts. Five fun facts for you right now. It's time for five fun more facts five fun facts for you right now. I'll give you guys one guess apiece. Who played, who turned down the role of Agent Dave Cuyan, played by Chaz Palmentari. What big name actor still to this day huge name turned down the role of Dave Cuyan.: I, I, I could see
2: either like Pacino or De Niro doing it.
0: Matt? Uh, Nicolas Cage. Kevin Israel pat yourself on the back. Al Pacino had to turn it hey. down to do what film? Heat. I was going to say Heat.
1: Yeah. Oh, that's a better choice. He made the right call there.
0: I mean, Heat's excellent, so there's no knocking that. The producers wanted Harry Dean Stanton to play Benicio del Toro's work, role, excuse me. But Benicio del Toro was recommended by Kevin Spacey, hence how he got that role. Number two, this one's a no brainer. You mean
1: a, recommended, like, quote, recommended?
0: Hey, now. <laughs> uh, you're trying to say he did the old toe tap in the bathroom kind of recommendation? <laughs> The lineup scene was supposed to be serious, but Benicio Del Toro kept farting. 12 takes in a row, to be precise. Brian Singer chewed them out during lunch, but Del Toro kept farting it up and breaking up everyone throughout that scene, so Singer kept up them cracking for the scene in the film. Proving that a fart is always funny. Never misses. Never. If there's more farting in Bill and Ted, too, I might have liked that piece of shit. <laughs> this one I did not know, and I found this very interesting, as I also... Uh, Rewatch this film this weekend. When Kobayashi hands out the manila, manila envelopes to all the guys in the, uh, in the room, he hands them out in the order they die. Wow. That's. that's pick, never that's picked that up. Deep. The role of Redfoot. Are you ready to. Well, i tell you what. Nah, a couple of these guys you're not going to get. Tommy Lee Jones, Charlie Sheen, Jeff Bridges, James Spader, and Johnny Cash.
2: All yeah, men. that's weird.
0: But they gave it no time. To, no to Tommy Lee Jones, but yes to Zed, a male rapist. <laughs> Flummoxed. Michael Bean was set to star as McManus, but had to turn it down to do the film Jade, which means that Michael Bean could not be reasoned with. He couldn't be bargained with. He doesn't feel pity or remorse or fear, and he absolutely did not stop ever until he starred in that bomb. I don't even remember that movie. Goddamn, that's a Terminator fucking soliloquy, and you guys uh, did pick up on
1: that? No, I got that. I got that. No, Jade <laughs> was the one that was gonna make Basic uh, who, Instinct. No, but who was the Linda? Lead l- in that? Linda,
0: Linda Fiorentino,
1: right? But it was who was the actor that was on the was Caruso? Was it Caruso? Caruso. In that? So that was back in the day. It used to be a big deal if you could jump from TV to movies. This happens all the time now, oh, right? Man. But some of us that are as old as I am remember what a big deal it was if you were a TV actor and you could make the jump to movies. And that was supposed to be the one that was going to bring Caruso into like big time Hollywood doing movies because he was going to leave NYPD blue to do it. Um, and it bought
0: and it didn't. Well, it's funny because basic instinct opened the door for sex thrillers. Then sliver came out of that one, right? which did moderate success. I, I suspect. Right. And then Jade, and then Showgirls and then oh God, there's another one that was an absolute bomb. I have to go look up. I don't remember this Jade movie at all. I remember <laughs> it was out for two seconds and yeah, we're and, and yeah, don't if you remember this in 40 year old Virgin when Seth Green is telling um, oh fuck, Steve Carell how to act, he goes, be like David Crusoe and Jade. Answer a question with a question. <laughs> That's the only thing else what I remember Seth about. Green, not Seth Seth Green Green. Rogan Jesus Christ that's what I meant I was like when was Seth Green Green,
2: 40 year old virgin
0: (laughs) he went from can't hardly wait to Austin Powers to 40 year old virgin it's hilarious but enough nonsense enough jibber jabber Matt actually has come here to take down usual suspects so now Matt the sage is yours to
1: gut the sacred cow Ah. Ah. oh my god where do I begin with this movie now look this movie's not a complete disaster. Um, I will admit that it is well shot, and the acting, for the most part, is pretty solid. Um, however, uh, before we get to the big glaring flaw, there's a bunch of minor things that really bother me about this movie. Uh, number one, Spacey gets an Oscar for basically doing Peter Laurie the whole movie. Um, you know, for kids listening in the back, uh, that was an old Humphrey Bogart villain. Um, it was a little on the you know Fay side, and that's what Spacey's doing in this. Um, is it acting or is that
0: life imitating right? art? Um,
1: the other thing is, if we're going to talk about casting in this, uh, so let's cast this British actor Pete Postlewaite as a Indian character named Kobayashi, and now we're we're not going to just cast him in that and make him speak with an Indian accent, we're gonna make him look brown. Right, now I'm sorry, could we not find any Indian actors ever? Right, like that's just the weirdest, like, come on guys. Is that brownwashing then? Uh, a, a little brown face? I, you know, look, like at the time, probably nobody notices, but it's hard to look back 20 years later and kind of think like, guys. Was, now
2: the question is, was he still that shade when he picks up Spacey at the end?
1: Kind of tough uh, to tell in the car. You know, you don't really see him in the car very well.
2: Yeah. Enough enough. I, I, I noticed a complexion issue, too, and I wasn't sure if it was part of just the, the, the storytelling. No,
1: um, oh, he looks like he's been hanging out with the president, like, next to him when the spray hits, right?
0: <laughs> next to tan bomb. Uh, I did not – hold on. I did not get that he was Indian. That was not an Indian accent by any stretch of my imagination. Oh, it no. absolutely is this, like, low-key Indian accent. I just thought it was a very I didn't, I didn't measured – yeah, I thank you. I thought it was more of a measured upper class, maybe slight British, slight British, just a but more of an upper class tone, very measured clip tones.
1: Uh, watch Definitely him in Lost Indian. World again. He sounds completely different. Watch him in Lost World, or some or like even the town.
0: I was just like, to say the town, but that's a you know shitbox Boston accent, Daddy.
1: Right. Um, here's the big. Here's the big, 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 big miss in this movie. This is the. This is. I'm never a fan of a movie that pulls the rug out. And so at the end, when you find, spoiler alert, God God help you if you're watching this movie, if you're listening to this podcast and you've never seen this movie. Uh,
2: God help you if you're listening to this podcast.
1: (laughs) Put that on your poster, right? God help you if you listen to Gutting the Sacred Cast. So when you find out that verbal kent is Kaiser Sose, number one, then what the hell have we been watching for the last hour and a half? Because the unreliable narrator that he is, like, he's made it all up. There's the only thing that we know from viewers, if we assume that nothing in this movie happens until Verbal, like the only stuff that actually happens is before Verbal starts telling his story at his first deposition, the only thing we see is Keaton on the boat. Right? We don't necessarily see him get killed. So we don't know that Finster is actually a real person. We don't know that McManus is. We don't know that anybody else is actually real in this. We don't know right. that any of those events happened. We don't know that they did any of those heists. We don't know that they like, Kujan doesn't get any information that they actually were on a lineup. There's no report of Finster's body anywhere uh, on the beach in Malibu somewhere. Like, nothing happens. None of this, so... My One of my biggest issues is that, so I've been sitting for an hour and a half watching this movie. I'm like, wait a minute. So why have I been watching this? Like, what the hell? Right? It totally takes away any of the drama, any of the impact from anything because he was just making this whole story up. Right? Now, I would be willing to almost forgive that because in a good mystery, you are given little bits of things along the way that smart viewers get to pick up and say, and try and solve it, right? Or when things are solved, then you get to go back and look and see all of these different pieces and say, oh yeah, that's what that meant. Um, this movie cheats. This movie cheats so badly about that because they make this big deal when you get the final montage of all of the stuff that Kent has been saying to Kuyan about the quartet in Skokie, Illinois, and, you know, the barbershop quartet, the big fat guy that he knew, the Marlin, all of this stuff, which is all on, you know, from elements that are on the bulletin board behind it. But as viewers, as watchers, we never get to see any of those details. You never get to see the fat person. You can't see where it says quartet, quartet Skokie, Illinois. Like, you, as a viewer, you get none of that. And and especially, like, the whole thing with the mug that says Kobayashi underneath. Like, you see him making you, you get this lingering shot of Spacey looking up at that cup, but we as viewers don't get to see it. So, you know, and you see Spacey looking at the bulletin board, but you don't get to see what he's looking at, right? You don't. So when the movie tells you like, Oh, look how clever he was. He spun this whole story. At best, we are what Kuyan gets. Like we don't, in fact, we have even less info than Kuyan because Kuyan was in the room, could have looked at all that stuff. We don't get the opportunity. So from a mystery standpoint, the movie completely, completely, completely cheats. It also gives us really, really obnoxious fake outs, right? Like when we get the story about Soze killing his family, we get to see a guy with long hair that doesn't look anything like Spacing. So they've shown us someone completely different, which is cheating right then the whole thing so that's that's the biggest part of but
0: that took place years ago to be fair let's say he killed his family in what the 60s 70s were long hair like that very obviously stylish sure the
1: time. i'll buy the long now. hair but like his he looks completely different right but
0: like, you can't oh, but you can't see that he's very silhouetted out i can't agree with that you can't say that
1: he looks i'll give okay maybe that one piece but they're cheating everywhere else and then there's the other part of it where they make this big deal at the beginning like, oh, he's got all this, you know, he's got, uh, immunity and he refuses to go into the room where they're going to do the, uh, in- the interrogation because they'll be recording, although they're recording anyway. He doesn't, you know, nobody, so they make this big deal like he can't be recorded, which, Might have been interesting if there was some way that the recordings that they were taking in the other room at the police stations got zapped by the app. But they repeat multiple times. The first time Sozie or Kent tells the story and then the last things you hear in the movie, the last words are, and just like that, he's gone, right? Except that we still have the facts of what he looks like. We still have the recordings presumably we still have pictures from the arrest when he first got picked up in long beach and the witness is still alive in the hospital. So don't, yeah, the guy who has been burned half to death is still alive. They don't tell you he's dead. So don't make this big deal that, Oh my God, he told this amazing story and gets away and nobody ever finds him again. No, they found him. Like all they have to do is put out the ABB. They're going to find this guy.
0: Which so is the, the guy in the hospital,
1: the guy, right. Because of the guy in the hospital, because of the sketch that they got from the sketch artist, because of the recording of Soze's voice and Kuyan can ID him. That's the other piece. They now have a guy who can ID him in the federal government who can now put out the APD. So don't, so, To me, if anything, the usual suspects as this beloved great mystery with this twist doesn't hold up because the twist totally cheats, and all of the thing, all of the mystery, and all of this amazing story about Jose getting away at the end, no, he doesn't. Because all the clues, in fact, there's more clues at the end of this movie that you get as viewers than you're ever given at the beginning of the film. So absolutely, the cops are going to end up catching
2: him. It's funny that you say that, because I've always said that a twist without foreshadowing is just new information. Right. You're just, you're just, you're not doing any, any, you know, uh, M. Night Shyamalan was, you know, chasing the, chasing the twist, Forever after uh, Sixth Sense, and he failed. And so- from
1: time to time, he's been able to make that work, right? But the problem with this movie has that- he? Has he? I
0: mean, after I, we did Sixth Sense on this podcast and destroyed it because that film relies on a lackluster ending that was that twist. Where I sat in that very theater and called that out—that he's fucking dead. Uh, I think that Unbreakable is good, but as other films, I don't think it anywhere got near the twist
1: uh, power that it, that, that it did. I think Unbreakable is the other one that it works really well. Right. Right. Yeah. I mean, you know, what's frustrating about Shameland is like he should be doing hour long Twilight Zone episodes because he can't get into that much trouble in one hour. Right. He he goes off the rails. But give him like 45 minutes, commercial breaks in between. That's that's just enough time for him to serve up his twist. But the problem with usual suspects, you know, Kevin, you're right, is that the twist is not foreshadowed at all. It's just new information. And at best, the information's like, oh, he's made up the last hour and a half of story that I've been watching, then who cares? Right? Because again, like outside of Keaton, you don't know that any of these people are real at all. It's funny you say that.
0: That's a good point. I never gave that thought about the once he leaves the police station, you're right, he can get tracked down. He can, listen, people have disappeared, but there is enough information that he can be caught and just not flat out escape without any kind of you know consequences no, i
1: mean look like they make this big deal in the movie of like maybe kaiser soze is this badge right like maybe it's this boogeyman character that's far more interesting than if he manages like tell me some story where he manages to like take on that persona or it becomes this badge of sorts that people can use to get out of things but that's not what the movie does the movies part of the issue is if soze is as, as well known and as feared and this big kind of like Kingpin type character. Now that there's that, and, and if his, his power has been being unknown, and as Spacey quotes, you know, the best trick the devil ever pulled was convincing people he didn't exist, like, well, he's left a hell of a paper trail by the end of this movie.
2: Right. Well, though, there was a, there's an interesting theory I, I stumbled across that said that Kevin Spacey's not necessarily Kaiser Sosa. That's never – that's just what we put together by what the, the information that we're given. But there's, a, there's, there's people out there who say that Kobayashi, who picks him up, whatever his actual name is, was Kaiser Sose,
0: or that – That would be better. The other, the other problem I have with this, you kind of also touched upon. If he's got – if he has an immunity deal, why is he sitting there spilling his guts and taking the ta- – time? not spilling his guts, just having to go through the fucking motions of coming up with this tall tail? Why uh, sit there? And- I thought that's because
2: Kaiser so to say verbal, whatever you want to call him. Right. He was. He wanted to. He took pleasure in right. giving run, giving them a run around, fucking with them. Making. He was almost him testing his own mental acuity by creating this story and seeing if he could get him to buy into it.
1: Yeah, but I don't know that that fits with somebody who's got. Look, if he's got the will to kill his own family, to get ahead and not have someone hanging over him. It's hard to think that he would show off for two hours. Like, I would think that the willpower would be like, yeah, I'm just going to sit here with my lip buttoned and get out of this. Right. I don't need to show off to this cop.
2: It's funny because I've seen this movie three times. I saw it in the theater. Um, I saw it a couple years ago and then with this rewatching. And I always, I just always assume that the whole story they tell about him killing his family rather than, you know, I always assumed that that was just an exaggerated story that he was telling. I never, I never took that as canon within the movie or within the story of Kaiser Sose. I just assumed that they were showing that like his story has gotten so out of hand that people say that he killed his own family. Like, and I, just, I never actually thought that that was something that really happened within the life of
0: this entity that is Kaiser Sose. Critics, five. Oh, sorry, Matt, any other points you wanted to make about why you hate this film?
1: You know, it's it's one of those things, like I get I get irritated by movies that people act like are the greatest of all time. And so when people go on and on to say, oh my God, this is an amazing mystery. No, it isn't. It totally cheats as a mystery film. Like, look, is it an interesting, is it kind of fun to watch, would-be thriller? Sure, but it's one of those movies, the more you think about it, it's like, oh, this doesn't add up at all, right? And so part of my, part of why I despise this is that, it's gotten too popular. It's, it's, it's gone too far. It's been exaggerated. Uh, it's as if the movie has killed its own family uh, and that story has gotten out of hand to maintain and further its legend. That it really doesn't deserve
0: Since you obviously don't find that this should belong on any kind of mantle for great suspense slash thrillers, give me three films you think that deserve to be on the mantle in that genre. Uh,
1: great thrillers off the top of my head, Number one, uh, one of my two favorite movies of all time, the original Manchurian Canada. Very good. Um, Hands down, no problem. Um, This is, that's a, let's see, um, Heat. We mentioned that earlier. Heat is an absolute riveting movie. Sure. Um, Yeah, that's a great one. And then if you want to go with some classic film noir, um, and this one really holds up uh, the big sleep, the, the Bogart, since we were talking about uh, Peter Lorre, um, who's not in the big sleep, but uh, big sleep absolutely holds up.
0: Gotcha. Those are good, three good ones. Critics, five-star reviews. Critics, five-star reviews. Critics, five-star reviews. Critics, five-star reviews. It stands up brilliantly to repeat viewing, to the extent that you may oh. never fully solve the riddle. But don't let that put you off. It's the ultimate whodunit. For many true movie fiends, noir is the key American movie type and the most fun when it's done right. The Usual Suspects is done right. A movie where... Who wrote that? It was, this is was on your web, <laughs> former website. A movie where the getting there and getting away with it is Everything. Anything but usual Singer's movie is pretty darn near untouchable. Next to this, most other crime films, most other crime films feel petty. <laughs> if we did sound effects, I would totally use that for future episodes. <laughs> Critics one star reviews. Critics one star reviews. Critics one star reviews. Brian Singer's poker face is worthless at
1: best. Well, how do you, yeah, I'll buy that.
0: How do you see his poker face when he's not playing cards? Oh, it's a metaphor. Oh. One of the most ingenious, unpredictable films of recent memory and one of the biggest cheats. Did Matt actually write, write this one? <laughs> I wonder. A little red herring is one thing, but don't smack me in the face with it, all right? Once again, my comprehension began to slim, and I f- slip, and I finally wrote it down. To the degree that I do understand, I don't care. From Roger Ebert. Nice. <laughs> yeah, he he took the movie to task. And well, I'll let that joke go. Amazon five star reviews. Five star reviews. Amazon five star reviews. This one. And I gave you the date because it's important. Reviewed in the United States on December 23rd, 2017. Classic movie that can be watched over and over again and still find something new. Genius performance by the great Kevin Spacey. My favorite actor of all time. (laughs) Someone does not read People Magazine while standing in line at the supermarket, I think. Or have access to the internet.
1: Next one. Between between Spacey and Singer, uh, it's a little like uh, I don't know about this one anymore.
0: I uh, listen. I, I can separate the uh, life from the art. I'm going to tell you a story that Kevin Spacey told on the Adam Carolla podcast. So Kevin Spacey banged Brian da- Brian Singer's boyfriend second or third to last day of the shoot. Walked in on them fucking, or someone walked in on them fucking, to where Brian Singer said the ad now has to convey all direction to Kevin Spacey because I'm insanely pissed that he fucked my boyfriend. Or or fuck buddy or whatever he was. Wow. Yes.
1: Next that almost breaks up there with the stories about was it Blade Three where uh, (laughs) Wesley Snipes was sending all of his communication with the director written as Blade. (laughs) Did he make people like what's a letter from Blade look like? (laughs) Like what's that sound
0: like? Here's your answer. Ready? Stop trying to. No, some motherfuckers uh, are always trying to upskate like, Ice Hill.
1: Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> What's he right? Like, no, I don't want to do this scene. It's too much like skating uphill. Yes.
0: <laughs> Play three was such an abortion, and I wanted to. No. Love it. Two, I, tell you, I rewatched two last week. Mm, not holding up. Not holding up. One is still amazing. One is amazing. You know, I'll
1: tell you, we, so at Comic Con a few years back, when Expendables came out, um, my co host at Rotten Tomatoes, Gray Drake, and I, We're doing a bunch of interviews. We had the Expendables 2 cast come in and Snipes was there um, with, and one of the, I can't remember the actor's name, but one of those guys that was in the Expendables, one of the younger guys uh, had been in the Twilight movies. Oh yeah. And so somebody mentions that and you know, Snipes, this is like his first kind of press tour after he's been, you know, had done time and stuff. And he just kind of stops and looks at the camera and here comes Blade and he goes, Oh, sparkling vampires going to have to look into that. Oh, my God, that's amazing. Hilarious.
0: (laughs) I like that he thinks he should still play Blade. I have no problem with him playing Blade still. First of all, he doesn't look like he's aged today. Second of all, who's going to be a better Blade than him?
1: Yeah, that's tough to say. I mean, as much as I love Mahershala Ali, um, yeah, it's tough. to Like, Snipes in that role is tough to top.
0: No, that's Nino Brown we're talking about. We can't fuck with that please. Second one. This isn't even what I call my kind of movie yet. I rented it. I stopped shortly and said, nah, not from me. My son urged me to give it another chance after watching. Not only am I glad I did give it another chance, but I felt like I'd love it even more after a second watch. Know what I mean? Sure do. Ernest. How's Vern? (laughs) Snuck that right in there. Huh? Boom. Next one. And I give the date because, of course, it's important. June 10th, 2014. Written by Ron's wife. First sentence. I gave the movie five stars simply because I adore Kevin Spacey and would watch him recite the phone book. Though I have seen the film more than once, I am still afraid of Kaiser Souza. An incomparable crew of actors brought together in a riveting tale in deception upon deception and ten upon deception while recurring deception takes hold of every nook and cranny Of the superbly dark tail that is the usual suspects. Even the formidable Chaz Palamenteri is reduced to a sideshow. Shut up, Chaz. You know I love you, buddy. That's a weird broad (laughs) tail. This guy didn't open the car door for him, did he, Matt?
1: (laughs) (laughs) Does that argue really over a parking space?
0: (laughs) (laughs) Amazon one star review. Amazon One Star Reviews. It's time for Amazon One Star Reviews. The first one. This movie was done for us after the first few minutes of nothing but F-words and several other offensive, disgusting language. What a waste of money. I can hear language at that, like that at any NFL football game without paying extra. Wouldn't give it any starts but had to give one to be able to comment here. And I say, you'd be paying more to go to an NFL game and hear a more colorful language. Like, stop writing bad reviews of the usual suspects, you dense simpleton. Yeah,
1: like, okay, Ooh, what world is that person living on that they think it's cheaper to go to an NFL game?
0: Right. And obviously, this is written by someone who doesn't watch football when they say NFL football game. Right. <laughs> the sports nod me just came right out.
1: Yeah, send him a link to the Lebowski, to Big Lebowski. They'll love that. <laughs> <laughs> or Wolf of Wall Street. Oh yeah.
0: I have no idea what the hell this is about. It doesn't make any sense to me. It's boring and stupid and a very disappointed. I was a dumb person. Yes. Yeah. Too slow. Everybody is a bad guy. The mystery man turns out to be Kevin Spacey. Everybody gets killed. And I think sign a guy who brings a loaf of bread to his company Christmas lunch.
1: Everybody's a bad guy? Yes. I mean, uh, they are. They're all, they're all
0: criminals. They're all criminals.
1: Except for the cops.
0: I mean, the main guys are bad I mean,
1: guys. okay, sure.
0: The characters were poorly developed, dull, and, and unmemorable. The movie is much too talky and convoluted. <laughs> I know, right? Like, it's a 1920s movie. Hey, let's go to the talkie down the street for a nickel the Nickelodeon.
1: I can't watch forward movies. I don't want to read. <laughs> and the ending is
0: predictable. Spacey's performance is unworthy of him, using a gimpy leg as an affectation to save a character that is not believable. It is a low-budget film, and it shows. The producers saved money making this film. Save yours and select another film. Now, my question is, if this ending is convoluted, how is it predictable? No, I was going to say no. That, that ending it was nothing but. Thank you. Uh, maybe this person is using their below-average IQ as an affectation to write this review. <laughs> Can they spell affectation? And of course, my they did spell it correctly. And my always I put them the last one. Check is a nice is a nice addition to the. Computer. Not in the not in the Amazon reviews, Matt. Actually, <laughs> and the last one always my favorites, Matt. I'm just not a fan of Selena Gomez's acting. Wait. <laughs> I don't know either, Matt. But it's fucking funny.
1: Can you? Can you respond I mean, to that? Selena Gomez, who I'm not sure had been born yet. No, I, I mean the film's 20. No, she has because it's 25.
0: I I, would, I graduated high school in '95. 25 years since it's been out. She's older than 25. She's probably. Is she? Dude, if she's not there, she's right. I'm going to say over under 25. I mean, this is starting to
1: get a really weird conversation.
0: (laughs) This is the creep meter here. A couple notes. Fenster and Hockney, best characters by far in this film. And good to see Stephen Baldwin before he got all Jesus freaky on us.
1: Oh, yeah. That's the – right? That was – I forgot about that, right? Like, oh, yeah, we can't – it's tough. I mean, his attitude these days totally, totally, totally has ruined Biodome for me. (laughs)
0: You mean the Biodome film itself didn't ruin Biodome for you, Matt?
1: Well, that too.
0: (laughs) Kevin Israel, your notes. Uh,
2: So, like I said, I saw this movie in the theater in college. um, And I remember just, I I was drunk when I went, actually. Um, And I walked out just that that I was surprised that Kevin Spacey was like, all I took away from the movie was that I I was surprised that Kevin Spacey was so sick. And then I saw it a few years ago, um, but only watched it peripherally. I wasn't really paying attention. So then this, this rewatch, you know, I really put in some time. And I gotta tell you, I'm such a 90s kid. Like I love the 90s and just the, just the way people dressed and just the overall, just the tone of the movie was so 90s that that alone just made me all like warm inside. Cause I was like, <laughs> this is when everything was good in my life and simple. I, I definitely agree with you. I don't like a twist that does not have foreshadowing. That said, I don't feel like it was us being lied to, because the whole lie was being given to the cops, and it was a story he was telling, not to the audience. And, and like I said, we had, we did two narrator movies in a row. He wasn't narrating to the audience. He was narrating to the cops, whereas as Gump was narrating to the audience. Um I, and i I feel like when it's one of those movies that you can go back and you can just keep it looking at different ways and trying to figure out which parts of the story were true and which parts of the story couldn't be true. I always assumed that the that the taxi heist was true because there had to be proof of that they They said fifty two cops or something got indicted. He couldn't have made that up there was some there would be a record of fifty two cops being indicted that they could easily look into that. That seemed, I, I, but apparently that's a that's also a part that's brought into question. But I, I think I just think any movie that can create this much that's much discussion and kind of interest into looking into it, uh, kind of is, has done its job. I don't think I ever looked at really as a mystery movie because when the movie started out, I wasn't even now. The marketing made you say made you want to know who was Kaiser Sose. But the whole time, I, I was just kind of in it for the movie, and then the twist at the end, I just didn't see coming. So I was like, wow, I didn't expect that. So I, I, I like this movie when I saw it. Of course, I was a little inebriated, so I probably would have liked anything. But uh, and rewatch, between the nostalgia of just just the, the setting and it was it was just such delicious 90-ness. Um And the uh, I I think it really does hold up. And unlike you know, like Kevin said, we did Sixth Sense, you know, which is always considered you know one of the great twists and greatest twists. But once you know the, once you know the twist. Watching that movie again sucks because there's nothing yeah. to that movie but the ending.
0: You son of a bitch. That was exactly what I was going to say in my
2: recap. This this movie, I enjoyed watching, even though I knew it was going to happen, because I enjoyed trying to pull it apart and try to figure out where the story, where the, where the lie was and where, where the truth was and where the between was. And I still enjoyed it. Uh, So, yeah, I mean, I I, I like this movie, and I I still like this movie. And I think think it does hold up, and especially if you're just a a 90s geek like me, it's even even a little more delectable. Give me a number. Uh, I'd say eight and a half.
0: (sighs) I saw this film in 1995 in the theater as well. I own the VHS copy, the DVD, the Blu-ray. The digital copy. I fucking love this fucking movie. This is in my top ten. I don't care if it cheats. I will say I concede two of your points. I do agree with you that it does cheat fine, and the whole the unnecessary. Why is he telling the tales of of, of the whole story when he could walk the fuck out the door and he could be tracked down? You're right. I give that. But the difference, as you just said, Kevin, not even 15 seconds ago, I can rewatch the shit out of this. This film, Pulp Fiction, easily. Top two of my remote control tests. Where that mat is, where if it's on cable, I drop that remote and I jump in wherever the fuck it happens to be, whatever scene it's on. I love this film. This film is great. Why? Why is it better than Six Sense? It does not rely on the twist. It the characters make the shit out of this film. I love verbal Kent. I love love Todd Hockney. I love Fenster, and I can tolerate McManus and well Keaton's <laughs> fine too. But the the characters are. You can embrace them and hate them and just eat the shit out of this film. I love it, and it moves. I love a nice, tightly edited film, hour and 45. I don't mind if films are long, as long as they fucking flow. This film flows, flows. Didn't want to walk out asking for more. Felt I got exactly what I wanted. Walked out and felt more than satisfied. I absolutely love this film. This is a 9 out of 10 for me.
1: Uh, see, I, I would agree with you guys that this is a movie that when, you, when it comes on, you can watch it, and it is like the opposite of The Sixth Sense. It doesn't rely on a twist. It is a decent watch all along. But you get to the end, and Jesus, do they shit the bed. Just completely.
0: I, I liked it. Completely. I, lo- I liked that. Uh, I, 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 think I think
1: the last five minutes of this movie completely does away with all of the goodwill all along.
0: That's right? a bold statement. Um, that's what right. I'm going to That's say. fine. That's listen. That's
2: well, why we had you on. Going from a limp to a, to a walk is, is I think, I think is, is one of the great scenes. That's a great Love shot.
1: It. I will give you that. That's a great shot. And, and great... the
0: cigarette, and the cigarette lighter with, with the gimp panda his, just figuring out. Oh,
1: but God. you know, I'm glad you brought that up, Goody, because the, there's one shot, there's one shot in this movie where you see, Kent hold it European style. And every other shot of him smoking, it's American style. They do it once.
0: I see. That's the thing. I try looking, for, since I've seen it, obviously, a million times. I try looking for different things to see if I can maybe foreshadow that it is him. I didn't catch a European style thing. That's very astute on your part.
1: That's other like the that, very first time he picks up the cigarette.
0: Okay. Okay. Like the I'll first look, I'll, time,
1: yeah. If I remember, it, it's like the first time we see him smoking in front of Kuya.
0: Fair, fair. I'll take your word for it. But again, I'll look for it next time I watch it. I, and Tonight. they are very, they, yeah, no, they are very, they were very good at keeping continuity. Whoever's in charge of continuity should have won a goddamn Oscar because that was perfectly. They kept everything in line, no fuck ups, no mints in your pocket like Michelle Pfeiffer in *Age of Innocence*. Nothing like that at all. I love this film, absolutely love it. It is in my personal, if not top, I would say top
1: twenty for sure. Love no. it.
0: Oh, you're I, killing me. No, I love it. It's. <laughs> It's legit great. The audience, 96%. You don't get the 96% on Rotten Tomatoes. Critics love it
1: too, which is. Uh, I mean, listen, we can't save people from themselves, can we?
0: <laughs> some, we listen, some them. people hate it. Some people hated Empire Strikes Back, but they're dopey too. <laughs> By the way, Matt, question for you. Without even looking, I know Toy Story is one of them. What other films have a 100% rating on Rotten Tomatoes?
1: Uh, the first Godfather, but not the second one.
0: We actually did, someone did Godfather 2 on this podcast and yeah. tried to take that down.
1: Yeah, I think because the late, great Vincent Canby, uh, critic for the New York Times, was like, Yeah, we've seen this before. What a cock. Enough, enough gangsters. Eh. <laughs> and I, yeah, I but you know, happened. they all redeem themselves with three. It's <laughs> <laughs> three that I haven't seen
0: three in so long. In fact, I put it, the, the thread about the Bill the Bogus uh, Adventure, I put it out there today. And one guy, Rich Carucci, uh, Kevin said Godfather three Godfather three was what? Seven nominations. I believe it was, it had for best picture and a, and a shitload of other ones. It wasn't that, that bad. I remember being not fine. good.
1: No, it's fine. Okay. Right. The problem is, is you, you, the problem is, is when you've done two, what, what are considered two of the best examples of the art form to have ever existed, you can't do a layup. Right. You can't. Cause you no. do the layup and everyone's like, what, what the hell? right? He'd have been better off doing com- just another gangster story with I mean, even then, I don't think Coppola could have done a gangster story with just a different set of characters, right? Uh, yeah, I mean, it's, it's, it's fine, right? I the other said, thing is, he really shouldn't have cast Sophia Coppola.
0: Yeah, she's not up to it. Yeah, I've seen Peter North act better with his pants on. Yo, Kevin Israel, I love asking you this question at the end of every segment. Did Matt actually gut the sacred cow? No. <laughs> oh, I will say this, Matt. I will give you this. And this is a distinction only won by one other person, ironically, who did. And as we mentioned before, Bill Schultz, who did Indiana Jones and the Last Crusade. You came as close as humanly possible as gutting this film. Only what Joanne gut the uh, grease cow because we well, I wasn't going to fan that anyway. You, You were more of a fan than I was. Greece, Greece gutted itself. (laughs) Yeah, Greece is terrible. I hate, I hate Greece. But yeah, no, not very few people have been able to gut you. You and Bill Schultz are just at that line, toes on the line. But not enough to nudge you over. So I, I would say no, but you, you, you did a one hell of a job. Well, thank if, you.
1: I'll have to come back and, and get it over the goal
0: line. Love to have you punch it on a fourth of inches. You did not get it on you, Marshawn. Well, you, Marshawn Lynch, this one. How about that? All but, right. Well, I'll, I, I'll, I, I'll take that. So when I, whenever we, I, we, I text Kevin what films are chosen, sometimes I, I, I was just waiting for his reaction and he'll write back. Oh, fuck him, if it's something that Kevin loves. Like So when you said to me, usual suspects, I texted Kevin. I go, Matt, actually, picks usual suspects. I said, I'll beat you to the punch. Oh, fuck him. <laughs> <laughs> Matt you know, it was a
1: good fight. It was a yeah, good fight. Oh, I, yeah, yeah, you, you did. I, I, I sent my hat
0: to you. I sent my hat. And, yes, you have definitely earned a return visit on the, oh, uh, the podcast. You, Love to have you on the near future. Matt, actually, where can we find you?
1: Uh, you can find me, uh, on movie phone. You can find me at Matchy on Twitter. Uh, and you can uh, watch me review movies with my co-hosts, uh, Alonzo Duraldi and Christy Lemire at the breakfast all day podcast. Uh, we picked that name because one of the best words on a menu, breakfast, breakfast all, day. all day. Everybody loves breakfast all day.
0: Except if you're at Wendy's, I'm sure that's terrible.
1: I listen, it's better than their burgers, right?
0: I'm just such a loyal McDonald's slash Burger King breakfast kind of fellow.
1: Oh, those are the best.
0: Yeah, yeah. Without, without a question. And now
1: they serve them all day. That's the best.
0: McGriddles <laughs> at 4 in the afternoon. Why not? Why not? They uh, no. live our
1: best lives.
0: If only In-N-Out served. And boy, In-N-Out was over here, but if only In-N-Out served breakfast, I think that would just be a 24-hour
1: orgy. Uh, yeah. You know, the, the fried egg on the fat burger is a, is a good breakfast equivalent. Close enough. Equivalent. Sustains, Kevin Israel. Where can we find you
0: um, besides look, quarantine? Look, watching watching former videos of me doing stand up comedy, wondering what happened. <laughs> wondering what, like Al Bundy watching Polk High touchdowns it in one game. Yeah, what those a pause name? break. Remember
1: that? Remember that, honey? <laughs> um,
0: With
1: uh, half your hand down your behind your belt.
0: Yeah, exactly, exactly.
2: <laughs> spinning
1: boat, spinning bow like, tie. I look,
2: yeah, <laughs> I look like Al Bundy. Uh, <laughs> Uh my album, The Struggle is really, you can get it on iTunes and everywhere else you get streaming stuff. And my website where you can go see my absolutely barren
0: calendar. Ain't that the truth? KevinGotee.com, you can see that's right, when I used to do stand-up as well. And read last year's movie reviews because nothing has come out since. It's yeah. been the last review I did was uh Bloodshot, which was terrible. And also GuttingTheSacredCow.com. That's right. We have merch. We
1: have merch. Oh, T-shirts, shit.
0: hats. No N95 asks the masks, though, unfortunately. But we've got damn near everything else over on Gutting the Sacred Cow. Check out our bios, some clips. You can find us where to watch us, see us, listen to us, whatever. KevinGoT.com, and but more importantly, gutting the sacred cow at hotmail.com. If you want to advertise with us, looking to keep the lights on. Matt Achety, you, sir, are a gentleman and a scholar. Thank you for oh, thank you. And it's been great coming to us. Thank you coming aboard. Yeah, thank you so much, Matt. We will see you guys next time. Take care. Bye now.